Morning, everyone. I'm not sure which one of these is working. That's better. Thank you. Can you hear me all right? <clears throat> that one apparently isn't working. Oh, it's in the way, isn't it? There we go. That's better. Right. Well, this morning, we're continuing our series looking at Luke's gospel, concentrating on Jesus as teacher. So teacher Jesus. Now, after sending out the 12 disciples in the previous chapter, he's now sending out multiplies. He multiplies the 12 by six and sends out 72. It's like sending out spiritual commandos on a mission. And though his instructions were for a specific time and place and need, his directions of praying or asking, as it was in that version, of praying, going, healing and telling are a pretty good model for us today. So the 72 were given the same advice as the 12 in chapter 9, to travel light, not to stop to exchange all these customary, very lengthy greetings with people on the road because the mission was so urgent, to stay in one place so they don't offend their hosts and hostesses. They were to heal the sick and they were to declare that the kingdom of God was near them. And because of the healings that happened, people would be willing to listen to the good news of salvation. Then we have Jesus' words about those who reject Christ and his message and how worse it would be for them who had many opportunities to actually see and hear Jesus in the flesh. The 72 then come back and report so enthusiastically and with joy the success of their mission, though Jesus warns them against pride entering their heart. And in the last few verses, in the last few verses, Jesus tells them about Satan's downfall and the salvation that comes through the Son himself. And the fact that our salvation is even more important than having power over evil spirits. And he says to them, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And finally, there's a record of a prayer of praise from Jesus the Son to his Father. The kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. Of course, the main reason that Jesus sent out the 12 and then the 72 was to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God had come. This is the message at the heart of this passage, and it's repeated twice in verse 9 and verse 11. And I want to quote from the New Living Translation, which says, The kingdom of God is near you now. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. Those three words that the Living Test translation emphasized, near, now, know. Some of the people listening to Jesus may have remembered some words of Moses way back in Deuteronomy, which said, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us? whenever we pray to him. That's a fabulous little verse to remember, Deuteronomy 4, verse 7. And now Jesus is proclaiming the nearness of God's kingdom. The long-awaited rule of Christ was close, right in their midst. And because the kingdom of God has come near, there will be an expectation that things will happen, both in the heavenly spiritual realm and in the physical, everyday realm. Something amazing had happened, and the results would continue. 
So what is the kingdom of God? What are its effects? How can we enter it? I've picked out five aspects to focus on this morning. Firstly, Matthew in his gospel uses the phrase kingdom of heaven about 50 times. And it's used dozens of other times in the New Testament. But the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God mean the same thing. It is the rule of God as king in the lives of men and women. God's people may not have a territory physically, but they were under the reign and kingship of God. When Jesus talked with Nicodemus that time about the kingdom of God, he was explaining to him it's, not a, it's a spiritual kingdom, not a physical organization. And later on in Luke 17, Jesus says to some Pharisees, you can't see this kingdom because it is within you. Secondly, Jesus taught that this kingdom was both a present reality and a future hope. In the future, there will be a day when Jesus comes again and every eye will see him, not as babe lying in a manger, but as king ruling triumphantly. And of course, it's part of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that when we say it later on in our communion service. Now, the kingdom of God had previously been shown to the Israelites in the Jewish, in the symbolism of the Jewish tabernacle and the temple where God's presence was said to dwell. But now it has come in a fuller way in the person of Jesus Christ. The future kingdom where God rules has become a present reality. They didn't have to wait for a conquering Messiah. God was already reigning, bringing the future into today. So for thirdly, what does it mean if the future kingdom has come and touched our world? Well, in Revelations 21, we read that the holy city, the new Jerusalem, will come down from God. And it says there, now, there's that word again, the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order has passed away. I am making everything new. And later in the next chapter, we have a beautiful picture of the tree of life, which yields 12 crops of fruit, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. So the kingdom of God is one where there is no sickness, no tears, no death, but only wholeness and healing. Kingdom blessings of the future touching God's people today. Fourthly, how do we enter this kingdom? When John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, he announces in Matthew 3, repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is near. So we enter the kingdom when we repent of our wrongdoings and we believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for us on the cross and rose triumphant from the grave. We are then born again and become part of that kingdom for eternity, forever and ever. And it's a relationship born of the Spirit. And we can be confident of this because Romans 8 tells us 
that the Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And this kingdom is as present with us today as it was with those Judeans standing next to Jesus 2,000 years ago. And fifthly, when we enter this kingdom of God, we discover that God has rescued us from the dominion of sin and the darkness of the kingdom of Satan and transferred us into his kingdom of light, transferred us into his ruling authority. Jesus was plundering Satan's kingdom, having already seen into the future and seen Satan fall from power and his authority being severely undermined by the cross and by Jesus' ultimate victory. So the kingdom of God is where God rules as king in the lives of those who repent and believe, who have been transferred from the kingdom of Satan to God's eternal kingdom, which is both a future hope and a present reality, and which provides now the blessings of that future kingdom in terms of wholeness and healing and the continual loving presence of God. Now to his early hearers, Jesus as teacher was talking about a strangely different kind of kingdom. If he had limited himself to just preaching and just teaching, people would have seen his kingdom as spiritual only. But if he had done all those healings and miracles without preaching and teaching, people might not have realized that there was this important spiritual aspect to his mission. So while he healed many out of love and compassion, he knew that salvation, the saving of every part of a person, was more valuable in the long term, and especially in the future, beyond death. He says in verse 20, it was far more important to know that our names are written in heaven than to have evil spirits obey us. Yet, of course, most of his hearers then preferred material benefits to spiritual benefits. They wanted food in their tummies, employment, and a strong army to get rid of the Roman Empire. For them, the evidence of the coming of God's kingdom would be the expulsion of the Romans and the resolution of all their problems. Jesus asked them to see the presence of God was already with them in the midst of their troubles. God's present in the now, not just when everything is sorted out to their satisfaction. So the kingdom of God with all its wonderful attributes and blessings, came near in the person of Jesus. But then we realize from this passage that the kingdom of God continued in his disciples. Those people who saw and heard Jesus had the joy of heaven being only a touch away when the hands of Jesus touched them in healing, or the breath of Christ on a person's body. Can you imagine that? And his lies of love shining out upon them. And just as Jesus brought the message of salvation, the good news of the kingdom of God's presence, and as he healed the sick and the lame and the blind and released the demon possessed, so he also sent out his disciples to do the very same thing, to pray, to go, to heal and to tell. And we saw the disciples did just that 
and they came back joyfully telling all the wonderful things that had happened. We can assume their prayers were answered when they prayed and asked because they did heal the sick and the power and authority that Jesus had given them did release people from demon possession. God used them far more than they even expected. They achieved far more than they set out to do and I hope that encourages us as we seek to do God's work today. So the kingdom of God was shown not just in the miracles and healings of Jesus, but also in the miraculous healings that God worked through his disciples. They followed his command to go and preach the good news, to drive out demons and to heal the sick. And Mark tells us that the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, wasn't far away. It was there in the life of Jesus, and it was there in the life of the disciples, right next to the soldiers and the tax collectors, close to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, in the midst of the daily lives of the carpenters and the farmers and the market storeholders, present with the fathers and the mothers and the little children. The disciples prayed, they went, they healed, they told. Interesting order, isn't it? So the kingdom of God came near in both Jesus and near in the disciples. And it's up to us in the present day, as we are disciples today, to do the same thing. That is that we pray that we should go, that we should heal, and we should tell the good news of Jesus. Because we are bringing God's news, we are bringing the kingdom of God into Chatham, into Waterslade, into Lordswood, into our families and work colleagues and families. The kingdom of God is near you now, today. This morning, we can be assured that the same power and authority of God's kingdom is present today, this morning, because the king is among us now. And his spiritual power is here among us now, just as it was with those early disciples. And though sometimes we know that full healing and resolution of our problems won't come until heaven comes again, but that certainly doesn't stop us praying for healing on earth today or praying for God's intervention in our difficulties and our problems because without doubt there will be and there have been significant effects from the kingdom of God being near us, being close to us and present with us. The writer Philip Yancey says, We in the church, Jesus' successors, are left with the task of displaying the signs of the kingdom of God, and the watching world will judge the merits and the power of the kingdom by us. Displaying the signs of the kingdom of God. Are we displaying the signs of the kingdom? Well, the signs of the kingdom, I can testify, many of you here can testify, have been shown many, many, many times over the years here at Pippin Gyms. God's power has been released. His saving power has been shown. People have been healed and restored and set free. And today, people can still be touched and healed and saved. Way back in the Old Testament, in a book called 1 Chronicles, chapter 14, we read about King David who fought a battle and won. 
And after defeating the enemy, he says, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemies. And the footnote said, God is the God of breaking through. The God of breaking through. What does that mean for each one of us today? Surely it means that the spiritual realm where God Almighty dwells and all the power of that kingdom has broken through into our time and space dimension. God has come near in the person of Jesus. He is near now in his church, here at Pip and Jim's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And those three little words I highlighted earlier still apply today. No, he is near now. Jesus reached out and touched people 2,000 years ago, bringing the kingdom of God into their midst. And because his heart of compassion has not changed, nor will it ever change, all the blessings of heaven, the place where there is no more tears or sorrow or pain or sickness, can touch our lives today in a new way. So perhaps on a personal level, and actually Steve prayed this at the beginning, we may feel closed in, hemmed in, surrounded by our problems, our ill health, our pain and our worries. And maybe those things are causing a barrier between us and the Lord. But God is the God of breaking through. And he can break through walls, he can break down barriers, He can break through everything that stands in our way. He can break through our sickness and our pain, our heartache and our loss. He can break through our sin and rebellion. And he reaches out in love to teach each one of us, to touch each one of us who comes to him, who looks to him and calls out to him. Let's remind ourselves that God didn't just break through these barriers that separated the world from the heavenly kingdom. He didn't just reach down to earth with great long arms to put this world right, like Mr. Tickle in the Mr. Men books. He actually came down. Love came down at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. And right at the end of the gospel, we have Jesus' promise to his disciples. Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. His words, the words of Jesus, give us confidence to believe and trust. Jesus is here now. The reign of God has broken through into our world and it continues to grow and multiply and have an effect and transform lives. We didn't do anything to cause the kingdom of God to break through into our timeline. It was purely God's love that motivated him and moved him to act. All those people that Jesus passed by and touched and healed had no say in walking that Jesus walked among them. He just did. He was there among them. The kingdom of God has broken through into all sorts of different places and ways, and its effect can still be seen today and will continue to be seen in our time. So the present reality is that Jesus himself draws near. 
the present reality is that by his stripes we are healed. The truth is love is here with you and me right now. And when Jesus himself draws near, amazing things will happen and the results will be seen today because the kingdom of God is near you now. So to end, I gently ask that question using those three little words. Do you know with utter assurance and peace that Jesus, by his spirit, is near you now? That Jesus is bringing all the blessings and all the attributes of the kingdom of God right into your life, your body, your mind, your spirit now. Today, know and believe that the God of breaking through is here now to bless you, to touch you, to minister to you and to heal you. Jesus himself draws near and none of us will ever be the same again. Hallelujah.